So we are continuing our Advent series entitled Christmas Adventures. Something is about to happen. We are in the season of Advent. Advent means arrival. It is the season leading up to Christmas where we prepare for the coming of Jesus. And just a quick side note, Advent isn't just preparing for Jesus' birth, his first coming, but a part of Advent is preparing for Jesus' return his second coming. Celebrating Jesus' first coming reminds us about his second coming. Now, the word adventure comes from a Latin root just simply meaning something is about to happen. Or you could say something is about to arrive. Advent and adventure, they have very similar meanings. Now, all adventures have some level of excitement and some level of adversity. An adventure usually starts in an ordinary time, in an ordinary place, and then something happens to trigger the adventure. And that sounds a lot like the Christmas story. Ordinary people, Living ordinary lives, Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the magi. And then bam, angels and dreams and unexpected and impossible pregnancies. The adventure begins. Our scripture for this morning comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Luke is the third book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. Um, or you can just look it up on your phones, Luke 2, verses 1 to 7. Uh, Matthew and Luke are the only Gospels that mention Jesus' birth. And this passage in Luke chapter 2 is a quick summary of events that lead to Jesus being born in Bethlehem. Our scripture reader for this morning is Anissa Voss. So Anissa, please make your way on up to the podium. As she does so, I'm going to ask you if you're able, please stand and face the center of the room. Um, we read from the center of the room to remind us that Scripture is central. Scripture is our primary lens for our faith. And we stand because we believe this is the Word of God. And so, Anissa, whenever you are ready, please read from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the, town, from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Anessa, thank you very much. You may be seated. So when you hear the word adventure, is there a person that maybe comes to mind? Adventure. Who's someone that you think of? The first person I think of when I hear the word adventure is Indiana Jones. That's my first thought. Now, believe it or not, a new Indiana Jones movie is coming out next summer, if you can believe that. 
is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It will feature a 70-year-old Indiana Jones being played by an 80-year-old Harrison Ford. <laughs> now, first of all, this 70-year-old Indiana Jones is going to be able to do things that a 20-year-old Chuck Swoboda couldn't do. <laughs> Second, I think it's amazing that Harrison Ford is still making action movies at the age of 80. However, I'm not necessarily expecting it to be a great movie because I've been scarred by Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I'm still recovering from that one. It ruined the franchise for me. Just for the record, I rank the other three Indiana Jones' movies as Last Crusade is number one, Raiders of the Lost Ark is number two, Temple of Doom is number three. I realize that some of you might leave the church now, but that's my opinion and I'm sticking to it, okay? Now, all adventures have some level of excitement and some level of adversity, and that's very true with the adventures of Indiana Jones. Those movies have all the elements of a great adventure. And while A Christmas Story isn't an Indiana Jones-type adventure, there are elements in The Christmas Story of a typical adventure. And you can see it in this passage from Luke. Now, because we are so familiar with the Christmas story, especially the part that we just read from Luke chapter 2, we easily overlook how this was an amazing adventure. And if we look a little closer, one, we will see that it's an adventure, and two, there's a lot we can learn from it to help us navigate some of our life's adventures. Again, a typical adventure has certain elements. I'm just going to highlight a couple. One piece of a typical adventure is that there is always someone, and you usually don't know right away who it is, but there's always someone who's pulling the strings. There are ordinary people going through life, and then someone does something to disrupt that normal flow of life. Someone is making things happen. So who is pulling the strings? Now, I mentioned we are so familiar with the Christmas story that we overlook significant details. And there's one detail in the first three verses I want to highlight for you. Uh, going back to verses 1 through 3 of Luke 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Now, who... What sets everything in motion? Who is pulling the strings? Well, why do Mary and Joseph have to go to Bethlehem? They go there to register. And the reason they have to register is because of a census. And who issued the decree for the census? Well, it said Caesar Augustus. And who is Caesar Augustus? Well, if you've ever heard of Julius Caesar, Caesar Augustus is his adopted son. And Caesar Augustus was the first emperor of the Roman Empire. He reigned from 27 BC to 14 AD. That's a total of 41 years. He is considered the greatest emperor of the Roman Empire. This particular statue that you are looking at was discovered when they were excavating a villa in Italy in the 19th century, and this statue was found intact 
in that particular villa, villa about 150 years ago. And so even 1,800 years after his reign ended, Caesar Augustus is still showing up. He is credited for ushering in 100 years of Pax Romana, Roman peace, an unprecedented time of peace and prosperity never to be matched in the Roman Empire's history again. If you were to look at different top 10 lists of greatest rulers of all time, Almost all of them will include Caesar Augustus. Many of them will put him in the top five of all-time greatest rulers. Augustus was the cornerstone of Roman Empire lore, sort of like how George Washington and Abraham Lincoln are a part of ours. Starting this story talking about Caesar Augustus. It would be like telling a story that happened in the United States and beginning it with, in those days when George Washington did, Augustus took measures to bring about this 100 years of peace and prosperity. He invested in the military. The Roman army was the greatest in the world. He invested in the infrastructure. He built roads and aqueducts. To this day, you can go see the Roman aqueducts. To this day, you can walk on an ancient Roman road. And he made economic reforms. One of the most significant economic reforms he made was a tax reform. The Roman Empire had conquered many provinces that put them, those provinces under the empire's rule. And it was common for the Roman Empire to make those provinces pay tributes. And the problem with those tributes was there was no consistency to either A, how much those tributes would be, or B, how often those tributes would happen. Are they going to happen every month? Are they going to happen every year, every two years? It would change. You never knew when all of a sudden you'd have to pay a tribute. And you never had any idea how much that tribute could be. There was no consistency. And that led to all kinds of economic uncertainty throughout the entire empire. And so Augustus reformed this and brought a large portion of the empire under consistent, direct taxation from Rome. So the people, regardless of what province they were in, they knew how much they would have to pay and when they would have to pay it. And that consistency in the tax revenue made a huge economic impact. It increased Rome's net revenue. It stabilized local economies. And it prevented, you know, fresh resentments from, you know, arbitrary tributes. Oh, we've got to pay another one. No, they knew when it was coming. Now, the measures of taxation were determined by population censuses. So every so often... Augustus would take a census of the provinces to determine the new taxation amounts. Now, by the time Jesus was born, Augustus had been Caesar for over 20 years. So this new tax practice had been well established. One of the most powerful men in the history of the world, Caesar Augustus, is executing his tax reforms, calls for a census, which requires people from all over the empire to register 
And it sends a soon-to-give-birth Mary and Joseph on an adventure. Who's pulling the strings? Well, it's obvious. The elite, the rich, the powerful, like Augustus. Now, about 650 to 700 years before Augustus began his reign, the prophet Micah said, in Micah 5.2, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Centuries before Augustus, God said Bethlehem would be the birthplace of the Messiah. And Augustus's ambition to bring about an era of peace and prosperity to his empire and everything he did to make that happen was simply a part of God's plan to have the Savior of the world be born in Bethlehem. God used Augustus's power to fulfill a tiny piece of his plan to bring a savior into the world. God has a plan, a plan with details. Details that even go down to what town will the savior be born in? And he tells of his plans centuries before he puts them in motion. And he takes the ambition of one of the most powerful men in world history to pull off a small detail of it. It's like God was saying, Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem, and I'll use Augustus. I'll use Augustus to get Joseph and Mary there. While it seems like the powerful are in control, God is the one pulling the strings. The president, Congress, Supreme Court, governors, they are powerful. Leaders from every nation, they have power. The billionaires, the social media masters, they have power. All of them make up the elite of our time. And it seems like they're the ones in charge. They are making up the rules. They are no more in control than puppets. God is the one pulling the strings. There will be times when others who have authority over us, not just the elite elite, but maybe someone as simple as a boss or a teacher or someone like that, they will make a decision that impacts our lives, and maybe it makes our lives really frustrating. Remember who is actually pulling the strings. The reason why Mary and Joseph were forced to go to Bethlehem was because that's where God wanted them to go. In every adventure, someone is pulling the strings, and in every adventure, there's some destination that the protagonist has to get to. Now, maybe it could be a literal destination or it could be a metaphorical one. But the question is, where's the destination? Going back to verses four and five, 
So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem is not a short trip, and there is more than one way to get there. Uh, the first way that they could have gone, represented by this red line that you see, is the more direct route. It's about 70 miles. You go through the area of Samaria, uh, you go south, and um, the trip would take a good solid three days on foot. Not sure if it would take longer, given the fact Mary was getting ready to give birth. Um, however, it's very possible that Mary and Joseph didn't take this route because it goes through Samaria. And Samaritans and the Jewish people, they didn't get along, so much so that the Jews wouldn't even travel through Samaria. So that leads to a second option, a longer option, represented by this green line. Rather than going directly south, they would travel east and then south and then west. It added another day to the trip. It's a good 15 and 20 miles on top of the original 70. And so Mary and Joseph had a good four to five day journey walking to Bethlehem. Now, I'm going to assume many of you, if not all of you, have done, you know, road trips that lasted for days. Um, and if you've ever traveled over a couple of days, especially if it's a traveling by car, uh, you know it's an adventure. Uh, a couple of years ago, Shannon and I went to the Pac-12 football game. Uh, it was a Pac-12 championship game with friends. And the nice thing about having kids in college for me is being a sports junkie gives me more sports teams to root for. So my son is an alum of University of Utah, so now I watch all sports related to University of Utah, and I have a daughter going to Cal Baptist University. Uh, both of those are Division I schools. It's more sports for me. Thank you very much. Um, but, our, but the game, this, the championship game between the Utah Utes, and I think that year it was the Washington Huskies, was in San Francisco on a Friday at 5 p.m. So we drove with our friends in one car together, and due to our schedules, we couldn't leave here until 9 p.m. on Thursday night. Um, we pulled into Rio around 3 or 4 in the morning. We got rooms, slept until 9, then drove another 4 to 5 hours to the game in San Francisco. We watched the game. Utah lost. Uh, we left to go back to Reno around 10 p.m. We got into Reno around 2 to 3 a.m., got back to the hotel, slept, got on the road at 10 a.m., and drove back to Twin Falls on Saturday. The next year, guess what? Utah made it to the Pac-12 championship game in San Francisco. And so Shannon and I and our friends made the same trip again, leaving Thursday evening, getting back to Twin on Saturday. And, you know, Utah lost that game too, so it was a lot of fun. Now, think about the adventure Mary and Joseph had on that three to five day journey. They are most likely teenagers. They are walking. Mary is days away from giving birth. And I'm wondering, did anyone else go with them? Did they really travel alone by themselves? Where did they sleep on the way? Did they run into any weather issues? Did they have to stop frequently so that Mary could rest? Were they ever in danger from wild animals or thieves? Think about all the things that can go wrong on a three to five day trip. I had a story to tell about a trip to a football game. Imagine the stories Mary and Joseph could tell about their trip to Bethlehem. And do you know 
what details the Bible gives us about this journey that could have, that had the potential for all sorts of stuff to happen, it gives us nothing. Nothing. Read it again. It's super boring. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David, and he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married with him and was expecting a child. That's a horrible story. That's super boring. You tell me nothing? That's all we get? Nothing exciting happened? This journey to Bethlehem is loaded with potential for adventure. It was a dangerous journey. It was a risky journey. What would happen if Mary delivered the baby on the way? This wasn't a good situation. For everything that could have been told about that journey, we get two verses. For everything that could have gone wrong, well, God was watching over their journey. Mary and Joseph were in a tough place having to take that trip. And we are reminded that while it seems like you're in a tough place, God has you and gets you to where you need to be. It didn't matter what happened along the way. God was watching over them, getting them where they needed to be. Whatever your adventure looks like right now, God has you where you need to be now. And will watch over you, getting you to where you need to be next. Adventures have someone pulling the strings. They have destinations to get to. And every adventure has at least one twist. <laughs> What's the twist? If you're watching an adventure movie, you know there's going to be some kind of twist. Going back to verses 6 and 7. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Mary and Joseph, they make the three to five day journey to Bethlehem. They get there safely. They get there before the baby comes. And then the time comes for the baby to be born. And here comes the twist. There's no place for them to stay. So they end up in a place with a manger. Now many of you know that you don't find a manger in a clean wooden barn. Many of you know that in that time and place, you would find a manger in a shepherd's cave. A cave that shepherds would use to keep their flocks. One that would look something like this from the outside. On the inside would be the stench from things like animal droppings. It would be dark. It would be dirty. The manger itself, in all likelihood, was made from stone. Now, I can't imagine what it was like for two teenagers, after making a dangerous three- to five-day journey, to be stuck in a cave giving birth to their firstborn son. And you know what? Their journey was just beginning. This was just the first twist. Romans 8.28 says, 
And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That doesn't mean everything that happens will be good. It's not what it says. A lot of what happens in life isn't good. You know that already. This verse reminds us that God uses both the good and the bad ultimately for our good. When the twists come in our lives, in our adventures, while life seems out of control, God is working things out for our good. The advent of Jesus was an adventure. Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. And when Jesus was born, he was found to be in an unexpected place. In the uncertainty of our lives, well, Jesus still shows up in unexpected places. What do you need to be reminded of this Advent season? Do you need to be reminded that God is the one who's pulling the strings? Do you need to be reminded that God has you where you need to be? Do you need to be reminded that God is working out all things for our good? If God had no problem putting Mary and Joseph in one tenuous position after another, Mary and Joseph, the earthly parents of God's one and only son, if he's willing to put them in tenuous positions, while surely God's going to have no problem putting us in those kinds of situations too. There should be no surprise when we find ourselves in tough, difficult, hard times. If he's going to do it to Mary and Joseph, he's going to do it to us. So when we find ourselves in the adventures of life, it is easy to wonder where God is. Well, just remember, God is where he's always been, with us. Just as he was with Mary and Joseph in their adventure. What do you need to be reminded of this Advent season? Which of these three things do you need to take with you to remember that God is with us in whatever adventure we find ourselves in? Please pray with me. And Lord, it is your presence we are thankful for. And as we again find ourselves in yet another Advent, another Christmas season, help us remember. Help us just take away to ingrain in that you're the one who pulls the strings, that you have us where we need to be, and that you're working out all things ultimately for our good. Lord, help us, help us just hold on to that tightly 
this Advent season. And it's in the name of our Savior Jesus we pray. Amen. And receive God's blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.